everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 13 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. On this podcast, we will showcase alumni from each one of these schools to share their success stories and insights with you. Today, our podcast welcomes Daniel Flagontov, an alumnus from Collège Beausoleil. Daniel holds a Bachelor in Microengineering from EPFL, the École Polytechnique Fédérale de Lausanne, and he's now working as a trader at Trafigura. During his time at Beausoleil, he made a huge impact in their community, being a head prefect during his last year. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Carla. Very nice to be here. Daniel, before we talk about Beausoleil, let's talk about Switzerland. What are some of the best things that Switzerland offers as a country? Uh, well, first thing that comes to mind is uh, taxation, but actually that's just uh, not <laughs> something you want to consider when uh, being a student. Um, I think the main part of Switzerland is stability. You know, uh, for a lot of people going to study in Switzerland, everyone comes from various backgrounds. And uh, I mean, I myself come from Russia, which, you know, if you're a, say a financial institution, it's considered quite a risky country, although I would disagree. Um, so when you go to learn something, uh, you know, when you're young, you want to, and you're away from your parents, I think key factor that many parents look for, and as a student, you realize only further on, is the stability that you have there. And then of course, the nature and the fact that everything around you is made for you to, for, for sort of a best development environment, you know, for you to grow uh, physically, mentally, um, and feel uh, feel safe and focus on what you came for, which, you know, for many people, people is studying and, you know, meeting, uh, meeting other individuals. So, yeah, Absolutely. I think that's... Uh, Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's the perfect setting in so many ways. Your school was in Villach, which is in the French side of Switzerland. What are some activities and nearby places that one must visit if they live in Villach? Yeah, um, Villach is not the most, uh, how to say, uh, uh, happening <laughs> happening village. Yeah, yes, exactly. But uh, you do get a lot of skiing done in winter, um, which I guess a lot of Swiss mountain cities will provide. But generally, I think uh, the fact that you're very close to Lake Geneva is very nice. You have um, a lot to visit around there. Uh, you know, Montreux, Vevey, all these nice little cities. And then um, I'd say the fact that you're also close to Italy, because actually from, from Villar, it's a fairly close drive to, you know, Milan uh, or to the Italian mountains. And of course, as a student, you, you don't really use that much of that. You, you just focus on skiing. But... Later on, I mean, I've been coming to Villar a couple of times just for weekends as well to either do skiing or uh, just because uh, it's it's a very nice setting. In, in the summer, equally, you have plenty of summer activities, but I think uh, there isn't too much that makes Villar more special than any other uh, s- sort of mountain village around Lake Geneva. Mm-hmm. And, and you just it's mentioned... It's more about the schools. Uh-huh. And, and you just mentioned its proximity to Italy. Besides Switzerland, did you explore any international destinations with the school? Yeah, uh, I've actually gone to quite a few. I mean, I've been to China with the school, to UK, um, to Africa, multiple destinations there. Um, 
thinking where if I think that's yeah that's pretty much it. But my uh, well my sister who also studied there she was gone to India in the school, and uh, I think now they even do trips to Japan, which you know it always feels like the schools get better once you leave. <laughs> it always it always seems that way. Which one which one was your favorite trip from the ones you went on? Um, well, I think definitely going to Kilimanjaro. Uh, so I, I participated in the climb from a kind of something new and adventurous perspective. Um, and then on a cultural level, I really enjoyed. So we had this trip to China when I was my first year in uh, in Mosley. We went to Beijing and we did a whole week of uh, visiting all the various, you know, sites, uh, you know, the Golden Palace, the Great Wall of China. That really was a, an impressive one. Wow. Yeah. No, it sounds incredible. <laughs> There's always something special about going somewhere where you don't know. I mean, going to Europe is nice, but you, you do go to Europe with your parents usually or, you know, uh, when they visit you, maybe you go outside of Switzerland for a few days. But going somewhere very far away, especially on a school trip, really binds you with the people there and um, leaves, a, leaves a nice sort of memory. It absolutely does. Now, arriving at Beausoleil for the first time, what was your first impression? Uh, so I actually kind of... Wanted to be in Bosley for quite a while before getting there. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know why, but uh, somehow back then it felt like a very important thing to get into Bosley, which I'm very glad I did. Um, it's still but, an important. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like you know, when you're a kid, your your priorities are set on some things that sure. later out. You know, uh, obviously life didn't spin around that. But for about half a year, I was waiting for to move to Bosley, and then. My really first moment, as you say, uh, I was met by a prefect um, who just kind of helped me with my stuff and showed me to my room and said, oh, by the way, uh, you know, for like, because my sister's been there already. He said, oh, I know your sister. She told me about you. And uh, and suddenly you just feel welcome because it feels like, you know, you're actually, uh, they've waited for you as much as you waited for them, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it's a nice feeling to know it's mutual. And then I met... Uh, my uh, close friend, who then became my roommate, uh, who I've actually known from my previous school in Villar, uh, so this uh, young man called Shinjiro, he uh, he was also in his first year in Bosley, just settling in, and he was before that in Lagaren, which I'm sure you know is another school in Villar. In the same village, yeah. We multiple sports competitions with him before that, so it, it really just felt like um, being welcome in a new, bigger place. So that was very nice. It sure sounds like it. I grew a lot since since I joined, uh, just as the school itself. Uh, I think kids coming to Bosley now will have a much bigger impression. Just you know, all these new buildings, uh, new staff, new kind of courses. Or well, when I just joined, it was uh, right after the hundred year anniversary, and um, uh, the school was really starting to change back then into what it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they've made enhancements, but I feel like the the spirit. Uh, of Bosley remains the same through throughout the years. Uh, Daniel, how about your favorite subjects? Any? So my yeah, my favorite subject was uh, math in school. Um, throughout like all of Bosley, um, few reasons. Uh, one of them is the teacher I had. So uh, well, now I think he works as a uh, school headmaster in somewhere in Belgium, actually, Doctor Brook. But uh, back then, see, he was my um, teacher in math. And from basically his first or second year onwards until 
end of schooling, I was with Dr. Brook. Uh, and he just had a very interesting way of teaching math. I really like the subject, so it all worked out great. Um, why that subject specifically? In school, it just felt like a very, like Bosley gives you all the needed sort of tools if you want to progress in something. And math being a, a sort of more flexible study in terms of how much load can be given to a student, that was there, right? So if uh, anything that was learned that I wanted more, I, I could do. And we had additional courses that could be like, you know, because they do the ID or the IGCC system, you can go to sort of advanced math or not so advanced or like beginner's math and so on, depending on what you need for, for university. And definitely, yeah, uh, definitely the combination of teacher Oh yeah, class size was super small. Well, I mean, because I was usually, that's not to brag, but just how it worked out in the sort of top math class, we ended up being maybe three, four people. Uh, never. Which is great. Super personalized learning. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then maybe later on, something completely different, uh, English literature became a very interesting subject, but also I think you, maybe you've met the teacher or because he, he's the one who reached out to me about the Swiss learning, uh, Alan Lawson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, again, so just the way he taught English literature sort of made everything super interesting about English literature. That's great uh, to hear. Are there any memorable school projects that come to mind as you're talking about favorite subjects? And uh, Quite a lot, actually. Um, but if I had to single something out, I think um, one main one was that we had for... Uh, uh, and it's nothing very special but it's just we um we did this project where i mean uh, we were doing this uh so i was actually running a club of uh sort of not engineering but so it was called the making club we were like for the younger students they'd come and learn about how to make all sorts of crafts and uh we had this project where we did a balloon launch into the um, which is a fairly usual project that schools do, to be fair. But it was just really interesting because we had to, you know, organize to get the balloon, to get like a trip to go fetch it after we had the video of it uh, filming in the, once it was in the sky and quite a few people were involved. So it, yeah, it was, um, I wouldn't say it was massively scientific or extremely difficult, but it was just really interesting and something I remember. It's yeah. a special memory that comes to mind. That's all that matters. And as I mentioned uh, during your introduction, you were a head prefect at the school. Could you explain to our listeners what the responsibilities of a prefect are and what motivated you to become one? Yeah, so a prefect in Bosley is uh, a bit like an intermediary between students student body and teacher's body. I'm sure that's even written somewhere on a, on a brochure or something. <laughs> uh, but basically the idea is that a lot of the daily routine jobs that teachers do um, where, you know, like you have to command students or you have to get them to do something can be then passed on to peers because then it becomes more of a learning to be a leader process. So like, you know, waking up uh, your floor or your dorm uh supervising some whatever studying organizing activities so like i said you know i was running this sort of making club which was for uh, i think we had six or seven students sign up so yeah those were responsibilities so you had to basically proactively participate in the organization of the daily life of school one thing that we did additionally in my year um oh yeah and as head of prefect you basically kind of assign uh, the various duties between prefects and make sure that 
any you know additional uh, work or additional requirement where we would need, be needed to help gets gets done properly. And one initiative that I had with uh, with basically the, well uh, this girl she was my deputy uh, we, she was the deputy head prefect. Uh, and we organized this uh, bar for older students, and we ran it every Friday. And so we had our own, basically, uh, we the economic surfing we ran ourselves. You know, we had an initial investment from the school body to buy the first uh, uh, batch of all the various products we needed. And uh, yeah, so we ran this bar for uh, the year that we were there. It kind of substituted some students going to town on Friday evenings, mm-hmm. coming to us, uh, which was a Teachers liked it because it was a more controlled environment rather than kids going to town. Sure. We liked it because we generated money to run some projects or some activities and uh, also had an experience around organizing that. So, yeah, it was. That sounds Basically, like fun. Your pretext, you do have a lot of uh, options on how to help the school. Uh, that's the main idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, upon graduating from Beausoleil, were you able to get into your first choice of universities? Uh, actually, no, because I applied for Oxford and I did not get in, which at the time was a massive tragedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but everything else I did get in. So I had, uh, I think I had Imperial College on the list and then UCL, University of Edinburgh, and then obviously EPFL. Um, and interestingly enough, if I had gone to, if I did get accepted to Oxford, I would have had to reject the the offer back then because my parents insisted, and this sort of became a much more useful thing in the end was for me to stay in Switzerland and con- uh, continue my timing here so I could get the Swiss passport. Um, so a blessing yeah. in disguise. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're young, you don't see that. Like looking at life back. Changes, changes the way you see a lot of things. But to be fair, uh, was very lucky that we have a leading engineering school here in the region mm-hmm. uh, doing. So I ended up studying what I actually really liked and what I wanted to do. Yeah. And did you feel supported during that time when it came to apply for universities from the school, or did you feel like you were on your own? Uh, yes, felt supported. I think we we even had various trips to visit universities. And I think that was the most useful thing because we um, we basically went to see all the various schools like you know LSE, UCL, this, that, and like even Oxford, Cambridge, and so on. And uh, that helps you a lot because you know you you see a rating, you see the various courses they offer, you read about this, that in uh, on, on on online brochures and everything. And then you're there and you're like, okay, hold on, this is actually not that nice. Or, okay, wow, this is actually pretty nice. And uh, it changes quite a bit. Yeah, no, it does. Um, Daniel, now transitioning into your professional life, how did you get into trading? So that was a very uh, kind of random, but also very bustling related uh, plot twist in my life. Um, My uh, friend, well, I'd say my closest friend who I met in in Bosley, uh, so his uh, family works actually with the company in which I work uh, now in a, on a sort of, they, I mean, they're one of our suppliers on some products. And so when I was finishing university and I was just uh, one, and by then uh, we've already been kind of, I was close with him and his family and we were, you know, vacationing theater. And his dad said, look, you know, uh, why don't you apply for this uh, uh, post, well, sort of, it's called the graduate program back then here at Traffic Garcia, for this graduate program where, you know, you're right out of university, you get to work straight away, 
and you know, if you don't like it, you're pretty young. I was uh, 19 finishing university. No, sorry, I was yeah, 19, 20 finishing university back then. And he said, look, if you don't like it, after two years, you can just come back and do a master's. And so I did apply uh, and I got in. And um, I don't know, uh, first, so the graduate program in Trafigura goes through all the various support roles. You mm -hmm. don't actually, I mean, now I work as a trader, but the commercial team and being a trader is actually a, a kind of, it's a certain level you need to get to before being allowed to take risks and, you know, be responsible for the profit and loss of the company. Um, and the graduate program itself went for a lot of various rotation roles that uh, show you the full spectrum of the business. Got it. What are some of the skills that a good trader must possess? Uh, I was, that's actually the question that uh, is a very good one to ask. And I think um, I'd say three key uh, uh, skills to have. One of them is numeric ability not in the sense of doing complicated abstract mathematics, but just because uh, a lot of, in the so I work in physical commodity trading, right? So it's not about just trading uh, on the screen, you know, you buy, sell, you know, wherever various stocks. We actually have ships on the water, loading uh, cargoes, we have actual delays. And so whenever you get a piece of information, your mind has to straight away think, okay, how much does this cost me? Uh, what are my alternatives and what are those costs of those alternatives and what do I do? And so it's not a, you know, you, we have access to calculators and computers. No one's going to, you know, punish you for, or like, you're not going to be disadvantaged for not having, or not being able to calculate something fast, but your mind has to work in a way of, you know, plus minus multiply. And um, for that, you really need numeric ability. I'd say the second one is a flexible approach. So being flexible, not rigid. So, Especially in commodity trading, things always don't go as you plan. Uh, everything always gets either delayed or quality is different than you want it or something's wrong. So you have to always look at a problem with an approach. Okay, what are the alternatives? What do I do? Because sometimes the problem that you face might actually bring you more benefit. And it just means that you have to do things differently and not how you plan. It does not mean you have to do things in a worse way. And third is, you know, being uh, good with people generally, because we, we talk a lot, even inside, you know, uh, a lot of team cooperation, even if cross products, cross departments, any piece of information is useful. And same when you work with clients, you know, a lot of this is still, commodity trading is still a bit of an old business. You talk you talk a lot to people on the phone, you, you discuss their market view, what are their, you know, and before you get to that, you talk about their families, you talk about how their day has been and so on and so on. So, yeah. People skills are very important here. And if emotional intelligence, as they say in boarding schools. Exactly. Uh, Daniel, if anyone listening right now has intentions of becoming a trader, are there any tips that you could offer, perhaps where they should intern or what sort of professional experience comes in handy? Does any tip come to mind? Anything you wish yeah. you had been told earlier on? Yeah, I think. Um uh, key, it, like from an internship point of view, um, a lot of the, even, you know, students who target to go to boarding schools, there's always some capability of finding internships or various places to work at. And I think just, you need to visit a lot of different countries in those times. So work with various people, you know, work with, if you're Russian, work with Russians, but then also go work in Asia, go work in US, 
speak, go work with Europeans, learn more languages, more personal traits of various people, because then you'll be easy, you'll be able to connect to them easier. And also work, uh, or you know, uh, go visit places like, especially for physical training. I mean, you know, uh, production sites, ports. Like I have a friend who's actually did internships in the port before he ended up working in the, in the same field. Uh, these are all useful things because even you know here we sit in Geneva, we work on our computers, we do our Excel's, we write emails, we call people. But somewhere out there, there's actually someone in the very cold, freezing winter loading cargo for us, and you have to be able to understand that. And to only do that, you, you can only do that once you've been there, uh, and once you've seen the physical challenges people go through to to make the whole machine work right. Sure. No, those are great tips that you that you shared. Um, what is your personal definition of success? Uh, okay, it's not an easy question, but uh, I think if we were to summarize it in one phrase, I think success has to be that, uh, first of all, that you're personally happy with what you're doing. And by that, I mean, you know, regardless of other options, you still would choose to do what you're doing, right? That, you know, like for myself, I actually really like my job um, and I you know, I like to think that every day I continue to choose to do my job. Um, also, I think success is being able to have three options in life, right? If you don't like something, to be change, to be able to change. If something important happens, if your close ones, to be able to go see them, um, a, to be able to help them, um, and also to to be able to be ready for any changes. I think, uh, like especially in our world, you, you know, a lot of things happen a lot of the time you know we receive much more information per minute uh, than than most uh, like of humanity before us and you have to be able to change and i think someone who's happy is someone who's first of all open-minded to any change and also knows what needs to be done to be ready for that change because otherwise you might end up being trapped in your own sort of uh, restrictions or restrictions posed to you by your life situation uh, which is fine. You just need to find a way of kind of moving away from it. And uh, yeah, I really like your definition. Even if you have more options, you would cho you would still choose yours. I I really like that. Daniel, and finally, I can't believe we're already uh, at the end of our podcast. Um, I wanted to ask you before we let you go, what advice would you offer students who have mixed feelings about boarding schools? So yeah. Um, Mixed feelings, it's a question, you know, what mixed feelings can you have, right? A student might be worried about going to a different country, going away from family, going to a community where you live very openly with, you know, your peers. A lot of people are shy. I think key thing to understand is whatever, whichever school you go to, there's likely 200 other kids who are worried about the same thing as you are, right? And uh, your any challenges you face, you're not going to be alone. You know, you're going to have teachers. You're gonna have uh, other students. You a, a lot of times, you, as I said, so it's prefects. A lot of schools have similar dynamic, uh, sort of similar roles to to a prefect. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, prefects can be the confidant for a lot of students. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think key is to realize that the school is there, especially in Switzerland. I'd say that from people I've spoken to and like what I've seen. Uh, approaches are different in the UK, but in Switzerland, especially the idea and a lot of students have a more free choice of how they want to structure their education uh, and their development. Uh, 
So I think for anyone who's worried, uh, they should understand that it is kind of in their control. No one's going to force them to do things that are deeply, you know, painful and uh, problematic. But sometimes you can obviously face challenges or face the things that you have to and not that you want to. And that's normal. That's just part of, you know, being a teenager. Um, so, yeah, Do you don't, th- don't worry because, uh, you know, there are people to people, other people to help you and you're not alone. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned you got uh, into your current job through a friend from Beausoleil. Do you still keep in touch with any other friends? Oh, yeah, we actually I actually just came back from a trip last week. I was off. Uh, we did a trip with uh, I mean, now it's a group of 16 people, but it all started with uh, seven friends who we all well, actually six of us and then one of guys is a brother of a, of a friend six of us all went and met at Basole and we uh, we do a trip I think twice a year or so wow um, that's great and actually we're not the only I mean we like to think we're the only such bonded group in our school but there's actually quite a few groups of people who still remain I mean my sister's closest friend is a friend she met at Basole so yeah, those are the friendships that, that last a lifetime. They really do. Daniel, I really, really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. If any of our listeners wish to continue this conversation, can they find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's fine. It's my name. And then if anyone needs very sort of like, I think email is a better way to contact just in terms of checking so if someone can reach out to you they really want to ask something they have you have my email carla and also it's a great pleasure uh i'm glad to promote swiss education anyway i can because i it's given me so much and i hope that people who are still deciding see the see the value out there Thank you Uh, so much, Daniel. If any of our listeners have any questions about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to email me at carla at swisslearning.com. Thank you for listening and until next time.